0: This morning for our scripture reading, we open the book of Acts and turn to chapter 9. Acts 9, we will begin reading at verse 31 and read to the end of the chapter. The text for the sermon, which I will not reread, is verses 36 through 42. By the way, the the first two-thirds of the chapter concern Saul's persecution of Christians and then the conversion of Saul and how Paul will go forth Preaching the gospel of our Lord and then suffer for it. And now we read in verse 31 Then had the churches rest throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria and were edified, and walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Ghost were multiplied. And it came to pass as Peter passed throughout all quarters, he came down also to the saints which dwelt. At Lydda. And there he found a certain man named Aeneas, which had kept his bed eight years and was sick of the palsy. And Peter said unto him, Aeneas, Jesus Christ maketh thee whole. Arise, make thy bed. And he arose immediately. And all that dwelt at Lydda and Sarin saw him and turned to the Lord. Now there was at Joppa a certain disciple named Tabitha, which by interpretation is called Dorcas. This woman was full of good works and alms deeds, which she did. And it came to pass in those days that she was sick and died, whom when they had washed, they laid her in an upper chamber. And for as much as Lydah was nigh to Joppa, and the disciples had heard that Peter was there, they sent unto him two men, desiring him that he would not delay to come to them. Then Peter arose and went with them. When he was come, they brought him into the upper chamber, and all the widows stood by him weeping and showing the coats and garments which Dorcas made while she was with them. But Peter put them all forth and kneeled down and prayed and turning him to the body said, Tabitha, arise. And she opened her eyes. And when she saw Peter, she sat up and he gave her his hand and lifted her up and when he had called the saints and widows, presented her alive. And it was known throughout all Joppa, and many believed in the Lord. And it came to pass that he tarried many days in Joppa with one Simon, a tanner. This is the wholly inspired and infallible sacred scripture. The text as announced is verses 36 through 42. Beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, uh, this morning, the word of God takes us to the city of Joppa. You might recall that it was to the city of Joppa that Jonah fled when he did not want to do the will of the Lord, and there he would board a ship. Joppa. We don't read of Joppa in the gospels, but here we read of Joppa again in the text. It was a seaport town in Judah, just south of its border with Samaria. And it was a very busy town because all of the goods and the people that would come out of the Mediterranean world and into the region of Judah and into its capital of Jerusalem would pass through this port city of Joppa. Busy city, lots of people, lots of goods. There was a Christian community in Joppa Probably not yet an instituted church with a pastor and elders and deacons, but a growing Christian community. That was likely due to the fact, first of all, that according to chapter 8, Philip had been in the area and was bringing the gospel of our Lord. But also that the violent persecution that was being carried out prior to this by Saul down in Jerusalem was causing believers to flee, to scatter. And so they would go running out of Jerusalem into some of these outlying areas like Joppa. We're told in the preceding context that Peter was in Lydda, which is only about 10 miles away, and he was bringing the gospel there and he was strengthening the believers who were there. There were already pockets of believers, believing communities in some of these areas, including in Joppa. Now in that port city of Joppa, there was a woman whom God chose in Jesus Christ from all eternity. He loved her from before the foundation of the world and he recreated her in Jesus Christ so that she was his handiwork and that she would walk in all of the good works which God had foreordained for her. She was very precious to God and He made her spiritually beautiful. The woman's name was Tabitha in the Aramaic or as verse 36 says, Dorcas in the Greek. That name means doe, roe, gazelle, and therefore, beautiful, lovely, pleasant, like a young, sleek roe. Beautiful. How often do not we read in the book of the Song of Solomon, my beloved is like a roe. You could read it this way. My beloved is like a Tabitha, a, a Dorcas. That is beautiful. She was a spiritually beautiful woman. Now when Tabitha was born, her parents decided to name her Tabitha. Whatever reason they might have had, we do not know, but the sovereign God saw to it that they named her Tabitha because God would come to this woman and make her spiritually beautiful in the Lord Jesus Christ. So Tabitha this morning, the scriptures present to us the beautiful Tabitha, but really this morning we admire The beauty of our Lord. There is no one in the heavens above or in the earth beneath who can even begin to compare to the beauty of our Lord, who suffered and died for us and who was raised the third day. And though Tabitha is beautiful, she's beautiful in the Lord as his beauty is reflected through her. So to see the beautiful Tabitha this morning is to see our very lovely an altogether beautiful savior. The beautiful Tabitha, let's look at her works, her resurrection, and her purpose. What made Tabitha beautiful is that she was full of good works. Those trees outside, what's making those trees, many of them very, very beautiful right now this time of year are all of those colorful buds and those flowers. What made Tabitha beautiful is that she was adorned in good works. Verse 36, now there was at Joppa a certain disciple named Tabitha, which by interpretation is called Dorcas. This woman was full of good works and alms deeds which she did. Three different terms in the text emphasize all of her doing To use the distinction of James, Tabitha was not only a hearer of the word, but Tabitha was a doer of the word. So that we read in the text, this woman was full of good works. She worked. Full of good works and alms deeds. She was doing. Full of good works and alms deeds which she did. Her works were good. That is, they were beneficial. They served the glory of God. They served the good name of the believing community in Joppa. They served the lives of other people, they were good works. And now that term in the tax, good works, is very broad. It's narrowed just a bit by the term alms, deeds, which does not simply refer to the giving of alms like the giving of an offering in church, but that too is a rather broad word that refers to acts of service and mercy and charity. And so this broad category in the tax, good works, Narrowed just a bit by alms deeds, is now narrowed particularly later in the text when the text allows us to put our finger on exactly what it was that Tabitha was doing when we read of her death in verse 39, and that the widows were all standing by weeping and showing the coats and garments which Dorcas made. That's what she did, she made things. She made coats and that word is a translation of a word that refers to an undergarment, an undershirt. The first thing you put on your body, it's here called a coat. And then a garment refers to an outer coat, an outer garment, like a jacket we would think of or a sweater. So Tabitha would use her money to buy fabric and needles, and then she would use her time and her energy to sew coats and garments for other people, particularly, according to verse 39, for the poor widows. All through this busy town of Joppa, there were many widows poor widows. And there may have been more widows here than in other places, because as Saul is persecuting people down in Jerusalem and probably killing a good number of believing men, there may have been a number of widows in the group of Christians fleeing to these outlying areas and now in Joppa. But not only to these poor widows, you can be sure that Tabitha was making things for many All of the poor, but doing good especially to those who are of the household of faith. So there she was in Joppa making things for people. Her good works, her beauty, and what a beautiful thing in Joppa. Tabitha did not need to be married to be beautiful. Every indication is that she was unmarried. Unmarried. for later in the text, we read of her death and resurrection, and there's no reference to any family members, and that's rather unusual. If you read about the resurrection of Lazarus, the daughter of Jairus, the son of the widow of Nain, there's always family present. Siblings, parents. Here, no reference to any family. Perhaps she had been married and she was widowed, Or very likely, she had never been married. She was single. She didn't need to be married to have a role in the believing community, the church, and to be spiritually beautiful. She made things. Tabitha did not need to be a man to be honorable, to be beautiful in the church. Every congregation needs men. Not the least reason of which is that we need ordained office bearers in the church, but the church also needs women. The church needs Tabithas. In order for Tabitha to be beautiful in the church, she doesn't need a pulpit. She doesn't need a seat in the consistory room, a seat at classes, a seat at synod. Tabitha didn't. She's a woman, and she has her own place in the church, and she knew it. And her place, personally was to make things in acts of charity. And that's what she did. She didn't need an ostentatious and very showy public place in order to be beautiful in the church. Tabitha's good works were of the quiet variety hours and hours would be spent all alone in her home, probably late into the night on a rocking chair, under the glow of a lantern, working those needles, sewing another coat, another garment, and then she would bring them to this widow or to that widow, and even if they never thanked her, that's all right. Even if they never thanked her, never said anything about her, that's all right, because she wasn't doing it for the praise of people. She was doing it out of a a large heart of compassion for needy people and for the glory of God. She didn't need some great showy place to be beautiful. She didn't need a tremendous spiritual gift in the Word to be beautiful. Now maybe she had that, we're not told. But maybe she didn't. Maybe she wasn't like Priscilla. Priscilla was the woman who could sit down with her husband, Aquila, and they could open up the scriptures and take Apollos and now explain to him more fully, expound to him the word of God. Some women are able to do that better than other women. Now Tabitha would always witness of her Lord and her master Maybe she wasn't the best at communicating. Maybe she wouldn't be someone who would be very comfortable praying publicly in front of many other women. Maybe she was, maybe she wasn't. It doesn't matter. She had a place. She had an opportunity. And she saw it. There's needy people there. I can sew coats and garments. And that's what she did. She didn't say, I don't have some outstanding gift of knowledge or utterance. She saw her place. And she contributed, and that was her beauty. That was her life. That was Tabitha's life. It wasn't a half hour if I can find it this week, and maybe 15 minutes next week. Now granted, she wasn't in a home with lots of little children. She was alone, she had lots of time And she gave her life to these widows. For verse 36 says that she was full of good works and alms deeds, which she did. Like one of those trees out there, you see them on the way to church with the buds and the flowers. Not one or two or a dozen, but the whole tree covered in these beautiful blossoms. That was Tabitha. Her whole life, she was full of good works and alms deeds, which she did. Spiritually beautiful. And if God would take her away from the church, that'd be a loss today, too. If God would take all the Tabithas from Georgetown PRC, we'd feel that. That would be some loss. I don't have to mention any specifics, but. You try to think of what a woman does with her often very industrious hands in the house, at school, in the church, in the whole life of the church. Often we've had in our churches what what is sometimes called a helping hands committee. And you watch what happens in the body of Christ when there's some kind of crisis, some great need in some family, and you watch all the busy hands of the women, meals, one after another coming into the house they go to do this, that, or the other thing, transporting people, children to and fro, busy, industrious. The industry of a godly woman is immeasurable. And the women need to know laboring like this is part of the beauty of a woman. And that stands out especially in the age in which we live of selfish, self-centered human beings and and women who want to make the whole of their life all about me, me, me. And then here's Tabitha. It's not about me. Look at all these widows. And she gives her life in care for them. The beautiful Tabitha. Now, Tabitha's beauty as a woman full of good works cannot be understood and appreciated unless we go deeper and understand the source of these works. Tabitha's beauty was not that she had a natural heart of natural affection according to which she performed humanitarian acts of service which hundreds and thousands, even millions of people can do all around the world. The text teaches us that her works were good, they were good works. And probably most of us, at least from the age of eighth or ninth grade and upward, if we've had Heidelberg Catechism class, we know that a work is good if, number one, it proceeds out of a heart of true faith. Number two, it's performed according to the law of God and therefore in love for God and the neighbor. And number three, if it's performed, aimed at God's glory. Tabitha's works were good. They originated from, they came out of the source of a true faith. The text definitively identifies this source of her works, true faith, when it refers to her in verse 36 as a disciple. Verse 36 does not say, now there was at Joppa a certain woman named Tabitha. Verse 36 says, now there was at Joppa a certain disciple named Tabitha. She was a disciple. And a disciple is not merely a man. It's not simply one of the twelve who followed Jesus and heard His instruction for three or so years. And a disciple is not merely someone who has some association with Jesus. But a disciple, now to use the language and the figurative imagery of John chapter 15, a disciple is someone who has, by the power of the Holy Spirit, been sovereignly grafted into the Lord Jesus Christ by an invisible, mysterious, living, or organic covenantal bond Someone who belongs to Jesus by the bond of faith. And because of that sovereignly established, unbreakable bond, that union between the disciple and the Lord Jesus Christ, established by the Holy Spirit, the disciple knows Jesus and trusts in Jesus and loves Jesus and belongs to Jesus and lives for Jesus and enjoys sweet covenant fellowship with Jesus. So that to be a disciple like Tabitha is to belong to Jesus and say, Jesus is my sacrifice. Jesus is my atonement. He's my redemption. He's my justification. He's my sanctification. He's my glorification. He's my joy and my peace. Jesus Christ is everything to me. Because Jesus Christ is the great worker. He's the one who's full of good works. He's the only one who's full of all the good works of salvation and redemption. Now, to be a disciple is to belong to Him by an unbreakable bond. So you could read verse 36 this way. Now, there was at Joppa, in the tree called Jesus, a certain branch named Jesus. Tabitha, this branch was full of fruit, that is, the good works and the alms deeds which she did. And when we say the source of all of her good works is faith, what we really mean is that the source of her good works is Christ. Not that Christ is the one who performed these good works. Tabitha did. A child can understand that. Verse 36, this woman was full of good works and alms deeds, which, feminine pronoun, she did. Tabitha performed the good works. But Tabitha performed those good works only because Jesus Christ was living in her by His Holy Spirit so that He is the source and the strength of all of the good works that she performed and therefore all of her beauty, beautiful Tabitha in her works. Now, how important is it theologically that we understand the right relationship then between her good works and her identity as a disciple? Good works, disciple. Tabitha didn't perform good works. In order to become Jesus' disciple. Tabitha's good works were not a condition. That she had to fulfill. In order to know Jesus. As her master. Tabitha did not sew one coat. She did not sew one garment. In order to gain a loving relationship. With Jesus Christ. Rather. All of her good works were the fruit of her faith, by which faith she belonged to Jesus Christ, her sovereign Lord and Savior, who took her and grafted her into Himself and made her bone of His bones and flesh of His flesh, so so that she was firmly persuaded of His love for her. And she knew Him. And out of the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ then, she lived for Him in all good works, as the fruit of her faith. She was obligated to do good works. And she heard that obligation, and she took that obligation seriously. Tabitha, you must do good works. She knew that. She must be commanded to do good works. A woman who is devoid of good works And now let's not think so narrowly as we sometimes do, that good works consist only of charitable acts toward poor people, like this. No, think broadly. God's God's law is very broad. Commandment 1 all the way to commandment 10 Good works are works of obedience according to that whole law of God. Don't think narrowly, think broadly. Now, a woman devoid of good works is ugly. She's spiritually ugly. It doesn't matter what she looks like physically. It doesn't matter how popular she may be. If she does not have good works, James says that her faith is dead. And if her faith is dead, that means she doesn't have faith. She doesn't belong to Jesus. She's ugly. Beautiful is Tabitha, the disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ who belonged to Him and was therefore full of good works and alms deeds which she did. True disciples must and true disciples do bear much fruit. John 15, verse 8, herein is my father glorified that ye bear much fruit. So shall ye be, that is, so shall you show yourself to be my disciples. Tabitha, beautiful in her works, and beautiful is every Tabitha. But as beautiful as she was in that believing community in Joppa, God would make her even more beautiful to the eyes of his people there by taking her life. And then giving it back in a resurrection. It must have been a very sad day, and indeed it was when the beautiful Tabitha died. Verse 37. And it came to pass in those days that she was sick, and we don't know what her sickness was, and she died, whom when they had washed, they laid her in an upper chamber. That's very interesting that they did not bury her. You know, we bury the dead. They didn't bury her. They washed her, and they carried her upstairs into some upper chamber, upper room in one of the houses or buildings, and maybe because they were in denial that she was dead. But more likely, they were clinging. Indeed, they were clinging to some hope that perhaps, perhaps, she can be brought back somehow from the dead because they know the Lord Jesus Christ. They believe in his gospel. And they know that when he was on this earth, he performed miracles, including raising the dead. Let's wash her and bring the corpse upstairs. And they know Peter's in Lida, he's about 10 miles away. Verse 38 And for as much as Lida was nigh to Joppa, And the disciples had heard that Peter was there. They sent unto him two men desiring him that he would not delay to come to them. Peter's pretty close. And Peter's an apostle of the Lord. And Peter has been performing miracles. And most recently, he healed Aeneas. We don't know, but maybe. Two men were sent. Go get Peter. And so here comes Peter as quickly as he can. And now we have one of the most touching scenes in the whole Bible. Verse 39. Then Peter arose and went with them. And when he was come, they brought him into the upper chamber and all the widows stood by him weeping and showing the coats and garments which Dorcas made while she was with them. Peter goes up the stairs and he goes into the room and it's Peter one man And all women, one of the women is dead. She's a corpse, that's Tabitha. And all the other women upstairs are widows and all weeping, probably with one hand wiping away the tears. With the other hand, they're showing Peter all the coats and garments that Tabitha made for them. And look at this one. And Peter, look at this coat she made me. And all the way around the room. And I'll never forget Peter, you see this? I'll never forget, I had one garment. It was really old, it was tattered, it was discolored. I'll never forget the day she came to me and said, I made this for you. This brand new, beautiful garment. And all the way around the room, they're weeping, they're sobbing, they're crying, they're showing Peter the coats and garments that she had made. They're showing Peter how large a place Jesus had in that dead woman's heart. I wonder how often this doesn't happen in the visitation line at the funeral home. There stands the grieving family, the loved ones in the casket, the line snakes through the building, maybe even outside and here they all come to give their christian sympathies, our condolences. And how often god doesn't take good works that were done in secret, nobody saw them, he brings them out. I don't know if you know this, but I want to tell you something about your father there in that casket. Never forget it. I'll never forget what he did for us. Your daughter, I still remember that one time she came to me and the words she spoke in a time of great need. Never forget it. And we didn't know. We had no idea. And here come all these these brothers and sisters. And that's what they're doing now in their upper room. She's dead. Peter. And look at this. And look at that. That's who she was for us. That's what she did. So people of God, don't live your life in such a way that when you're in the box, nobody has any good thing to say about you to your family. Don't live that way. Don't live that way. There they all were. and Peter says, I'd like all of you to leave now. Please, everyone down the stairs. Verse 40, but Peter put them all forth and he kneeled down and prayed. And turning him to the body, said, Tabitha, arise. And she opened her eyes, and when she saw Peter, she sat up. Verse 41, and he gave her his hand and lifted her up. And when he had called the saints and widows, presented her alive. Just the two of them now, upstairs. She's dead, he's alive. And he gets down on his knees, probably in a corner, and he prays. And I can imagine Peter praying, Oh God, search me and know me and try me. And see if there be any wicked way in me. This is not about me, O God. This is not about my name. This is not about my reputation. This is not about my honor and my glory. Lord God in heaven, this is for Thy glory. This is for the advance of Thy kingdom. This is for the cause of Thy gospel. This is for the spread of the name of Jesus Christ. Lord God, I plead with Thee, bring her back. He's praying on his knees. And then he gets up, and he walks over to Tabitha, and he says, Tabitha, arise. And she opens her eyes, and she looks at him, and she sits up. It's a very touching story. And the apostle of our Lord takes his hand, and he lifts her up. And then he takes her, and they go down the stairs, open up the door tell everyone to come now people had already been spreading the news of of where Peter was because now we read in verse 41 there's not only widows at this house verse 41 says the saints are there men and women are coming call everyone to come come now and all the widows and all the saints come to the bottom of the stairwell and Tabitha And Peter rather takes Tabitha and leads her out. And the text says in verse 41 that he presented her alive. Behold, Tabitha. And there they all were, and they saw her brought back from the dead. It was at that moment Tabitha became more beautiful to them than she had ever been before. That's not because she was glorified. That's not because she had a new heavenly immortal body now radiating with the glory of Jesus Christ on the Mount of Transfiguration or the glory that she will have in the last day of our Lord. She came back in that same old body. There's something different now. Because Tabitha was dead, she was a corpse. Her heart had not been beating. Her hands were cold. She was cold. She was gone. Tabitha was gone. All their ties to her had been broken. She wasn't there anymore. She was gone. And now she came back in a resurrection, and they would never look at her the same way. She was raised from the dead. Look at Tabitha. Look at her. She was a corpse. And now here she is, raised from the dead. I don't expect and you shouldn't expect that any one of us be raised from the dead by our Lord prior to His second coming. But you can only imagine if some member of this congregation died and they were in the casket and we were getting ready for the funeral and God raised him or her from the dead, you know as well as I do that we would never look at that person the same way. And next Sunday morning when we come to church, not one person would exit those doors and go to their car, not one person, young or old, without finding that brother or that sister who was dead and made alive and going up to him or her and giving greetings and probably a big hug. You were gone. You were gone. You were in the casket. Brother, you're back now. Sister, you're here with us. And we never look at them the same way. And that was Tabitha, raised from the dead. But it wasn't simply Peter who was presenting her alive. Our Lord is this morning. Our Lord raised her from the dead. Our Lord, using Peter and his voice, raised her. And our Lord presents her to all of this... This. us this morning in all of her beauty as raised from the dead because she's a picture of our own resurrection in two respects. First of all, she's beautiful to us in her resurrection this morning because she's a picture of our own spiritual resurrection in the heart at the moment of regeneration. Ephesians 2, verses 4 and 5, But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace ye are saved. By nature, Tabitha and you and I and all of us, we are conceived dead in the womb of our mother. And if there is no operation of God's amazing saving grace, we are born into this world and we live all of our days sold to sin with a carnal mind that is enmity against God so that we hate God and we hate Jesus and we hate the church and we hate the Gospel and all of our works are evil. None of them is for the glory of God. None of them is in love for God. None of them comes out of a heart of true faith because our heart is dead. That's true for all of us. And this resurrection of Tabitha in the upper room is but a picture of the resurrection the Lord had already performed in her. When he came to her, we don't know when. And He regenerated her. Earlier, we used the figure of her as a dead branch. And now she's grafted into the living Lord. That's why she's called a disciple. You could put that in different theological terminology. At that very moment, though she was dead in her heart, she was made alive. She was raised from the dead. It was an inaudible word. The moment of regeneration. Tabitha, arise. And in her heart, she became alive unto the Lord. As a disciple, that resurrection upstairs was just a picture of what happened in her spiritually. And in you and me as the children of God, we've been raised. You've already been raised from the dead. Spiritual death in the heart. and Therefore, the Lord is now the author of our faith, our life, and our good works. And by the power of the risen Lord who lives within us, we live But secondly, the Lord presents Tabitha in her beauty to us this morning because she's a picture of our final resurrection from the dead. Tabitha came back in that old body of the flesh, but on the last day, Jesus will come and Tabitha will be in the dust of Joppa and the Lord will say, Tabitha, arise. And she will come forth out of the dust of Joppa with a brand new, heavenly, incorruptible, immortal, glorious body like unto the body of our Lord when He came out of His tomb. And so shall we all be raised John 5, 28 and 29, Marvel not at this, for the hour is coming in which all that are in the graves shall hear His voice and shall come forth. They that have done good unto the resurrection of life and they that have done evil unto the resurrection of damnation. Now her beauty as she walks down the stairs with Peter, Now her beauty is still so faint. So is mine and so is yours. Because we have so much sin and all the corruption of our flesh that mars and that taints the beauty of the Lord as it is reflected through us. But one day our bodies will be raised in glory and reunited with our souls and then we will be perfect and perform perfect works unto the Lord. And then into all eternity in our glory, we will will tell of what he did for us, what he made for us, and look at what he made for me, and look at what he did for me, forever and ever, world without end. She's beautiful in her resurrection because she's a picture to us of our resurrection. Let me pause for just a moment and say, I don't know if some of you ask after the service, what I found to be the number one asked catechism question, usually with regard to Lazarus, we can do it here too, So, from the time between her death and her resurrection, what happened to her and her soul? There's a longer answer to that. The short answer, I'll give it now. I don't know. The Bible doesn't tell us. But I do know this the Lord was always with her. Tabitha served a purpose. Jesus made her beautiful in good works and raised her from the dead for the growth of the church and ultimately for the glory of God's name. That purpose is stated as a result in verse 42. And it was known throughout all Joppa and many believed in the Lord. We can't understand the purpose of our Lord here without taking a step back and seeing the book of Acts in which we find this text. Acts is called the Acts of the Apostles, but it could better be understood as the Acts of our ascended Lord through the Apostles. Luke wrote two books by inspiration. One book is called Luke. It's the gospel according to Luke in which Luke tells us all those things of our Lord on this earth. His birth, his suffering, his death, his resurrection, and how we went up into heaven, what our Lord did on this earth. Luke wrote a second book. It's called Acts. And in that book, Luke tells us about all the things our Lord does now in heaven, from heaven rather, by pouring out his Holy Spirit on Pentecost into the church and through Spirit-filled apostles who go out with His Gospel into all the world. What the Lord does by His Spirit, through the apostles, through the church, in the spread of the Gospel. That's the book of Acts. So when we come to this text, it's not all about Tabitha. It's not all about Peter. It's all about our Lord and what our Lord is doing in and through Peter and Tabitha. So it was the Lord who made Tabitha beautiful in all of her good works, For the church. The growth of the church. As Lord's Day 32 teaches, one of the benefits of doing good works is that others is that others may be gained to Christ by our godly conversation. So Tabitha's making all these coats and garments and she's delivering them to the widows and she's testifying of the Lord to whom she belonged, the one who came and suffered and died for her. And the Lord uses that to bring others to the gospel, to bring others to the church. And now the Lord's going to use her in even a greater capacity. The Lord's going to do something Joppa had never seen and Joppa had seen everything. Joppa's the port city. Everything the world has to offer in the Mediterranean world, it's all coming, pouring into Joppa. They've seen it all. Except they haven't seen one thing. They haven't seen a resurrection And so the Lord, through Peter, will raise Tabitha from the dead to get more people talking about the Lord. And not just to create excitement, but to confirm the word. What's the word? It's the word of the gospel that you're a sinner. All of you are sinners. All of you are guilty before God according to His law. And the only hope you can have is in the name and in the blood of Jesus Christ. God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Jesus should not perish but have everlasting life. That's the word of the Gospel. Why does the Lord do a miracle? Not just to create all kinds of excitement so that people can talk about a woman who was dead and made alive. It's to confirm this Word of the gospel is true. Believe it. Believe in Jesus. So the Lord raises Tabitha from the dead and out goes the word. Did you hear? Did you hear? And pretty soon the whole town of Joppa is talking about Tabitha for the purpose of the spread of the gospel that others might come to know and believe in the Lord. That's what the text says. And it was known throughout all Joppa, and many believed in the Lord. Purpose, the growth of the church, for the glory of the Lord. So to all the women here this morning, widows and all other women, and by extension, all men, all of us. God put us here, and God makes us spiritually beautiful for His church. I know that's a peculiar concept. In an individualistic age of selfishness, it's all about me and my life. And you can have a place in my life as long as you serve me, and you're not a hindrance to me No, it's not. It's not about me. It's not about you. You are who you are, whether you like it or not. For the church. And if God gave you a hand that's good and industrious and active, that's not your hand. That's God's hand. And he gave it to you for the church. And if God makes you sick, as he made Tabitha sick, somehow in some way... It's for the church. The church needs some sick people. Your sickness is for the church. If God gives you a gift, your gift is for the church. If God gives you a place, it's for the church. Beauty, it's for the church. All that you are, all that God has made you, it's to serve the purpose of the growth of the church. That other people who are already in the church might grow in their knowledge of the Lord Jesus and that people who do not belong to the Lord, the unchurched, and all others outside may by our witness and our testimony, which may accompany our handiwork of the hand, may come to know the Lord. That others may know the Lord and be brought into His church for His glory. That's the purpose of her beauty and her resurrection. And that's the, pu- the purpose of God in making us spiritually beautiful. That's the text. And it was known throughout all Joppa and God's purpose was accomplished that many, many, not just one or two, many believed in the Lord. Amen. Let us pray. Father in heaven, fulfill all thy good purposes, even in us and through us. And that's a prayer we can only make by faith because we don't know how thou might be pleased to use us and it might involve agony and suffering. But we will submit our will to thine and say, use us, O Lord, for the purposes of the advance of thy kingdom and ultimately the coming of Jesus and the clouds of glory. To thee be the glory forever. Amen.